From Los Angeles, California, on the MTV Podcast Network, this is North Mollywood. In the studio today, do I do, I do Brian first? Wait, do I do Brian first or do Molly first? <laughs> I think you have to do Molly first. Do so I do Molly yeah. first and this then our, and our special yeah. guest? Yeah. yeah, that's that's right. That's right. From Los Angeles, California, on the MTV Podcast Network, this is North Mollywood. I'm Alex Papadimus. Seated across from me, the fourth lone gunman, Molly Lambert. Hey, everyone. And our guest in studio today, MTV News senior UFO correspondent, Brian Phillips. Live long and prosper, everybody. Welcome to outer space. We're going to be here today talking about outer space. This will be our most InfoWars podcast. Yeah, put on your tinfoil hat and get ready to enter the void. For those of anyone who's not aware of this, we are recording this on Thursday. Uh, yesterday on MTV.com, we published a story, a very long and very involved Brian Phillips travelogue where you visited Area 51 and the, the surrounding environs. Can you talk to us about why this happened? Yeah, so last year I found myself in a pretty bad place um, psychologically. Uh, mostly that was my own fault, but I thought I needed to do something about it. And therapy seemed um, dangerous and non-traditional, so I decided to do the safe thing and went on a week-long road trip from Roswell to Area 51 along uh, what was left of Route 66, like the great old American highway. Uh, stopping to see UFO sites as I went. This story has been in the works for millennia, I hear. Yeah, all the alien involvement. the The first chapter is the is the construction of the pyramids, and uh, then there's some you know there's some Babylon stuff, and the the Aztecs come into it. No, I'm it's not quite that long in the works, but yeah, I did the trip like like I guess about 18 months ago now, or it was last spring. Was there something specific that made you think, I have to go to Area 51, or was this like a general, I've always wanted to go there and I'm going to make my dream come true? No, I definitely hadn't always wanted to go there or ever really thought about it before I just started thinking about like the desert a lot last year. For some reason, I just I just wanted to go to the desert, and Area 51 seems like just you know sort of like the classic like weird mystery of the desert in 21st century and 20th century america so it was just kind of like it just seemed like a good like arbitrary end to the to the pilgrimage i guess you have a great line in the story about where your your desert fixation came from all that time i thought about the desert i couldn't admit that i was depressed but i could close my eyes and picture sandstone spires there is in the image of the desert a nullification that I find almost hypnotic. Was that a mostly an image to you? Had you spent much time in in deserts and in desert environs prior to this? No, not at all. Like I, this was really my first like extended experience with the American Southwest, which is probably one of the reasons that it like drew me so strongly because I'd never been there and it just seemed like. I don't know. I think I wanted a I wanted a major change and it just seemed like a a place where like who knew what would happen. Have you ever read Desert Solitaire, the Edward Abbey book? I haven't, no. You should read it. Yeah, it I has should. a lot of quotes about how the desert is this alien environment and how that's what frightens people about it is that it's just existentially 
terrifying because there's no familiarity to it and it takes you so far out of your comfort zone uh, and that that is what he likes about it. Yeah, that was one of the things I was thinking about when I was thinking about like just how inextricably tied up the UFO phenomenon is with the desert in America because UFO abductions happen everywhere. But when you think about UFOs, like the classic landscape for the UFO is definitely, you know, sand, Monument Valley, you know, you picture like atomic bombs and F-16s like flying over the desert and then like weird mysterious lights show up at night. And I was thinking about how the desert is is the the part of the world that feels most like another planet, like it feels literally alien in a lot of ways. Does Area 51 show up on Google Maps? I think it does now. Yeah. yeah, I mean the 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 CIA has you know admitted that it exists. A few years ago, that finally happened, and I don't remember if Google Maps has the actual Area 51. But to get to Area 51, you follow this like list of landmarks, and Google Maps has the landmarks. So there's this thing called the Black Mailbox which was just a mailbox belonging to a rancher that was kind of near Area 51. But people would leave letters for the aliens. Like people would show up and stuff like mail for the aliens into this guy's mailbox. So he got really frustrated, put out this other mailbox with alien written on it or something like that, something to indicate that this was where you should leave your mail for the alien. And this got like, no one knew where it came from for a long time. Like no one knew who this rancher was or like how this mailbox had shown up. There was just this like mailbox in the middle of the desert with alien (laughs) written on the side of it. So the black mailbox is definitely on Google Maps. It doesn't exist anymore. Like it just vanished one day and no one really knows why, like someone stole it or something, but you can still find a spot. Yeah, clearly the alien was like, enough spam like i don't need the j crew catalog i like the idea that the aliens use the u.s postal service yeah they show up every thousand years for their for their delivery and just disappear with the mailbox i think that's, that's probably about it. how often i take in the mail once yeah. every thousand years i have been reading a little bit uh preparing for this segment and i, I believe i mentioned this to you yesterday roughly 10 percent of americans believe they've seen a ufo um but it's it, the, that, the number of people reporting abductions is down. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I imagine that like reports of abductions fluctuate based on like what's going on in pop culture or like even what the political climate is at the moment. Although you would think that given the current political climate, more people would <laughs> think they were being abducted by aliens. Um, yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting to like correlate those statistics to something. But I would have thought that like, you know, reports of abductions would peak during the X-Files. I don't know exactly why they're down now, except that maybe aliens just aren't as as big in the culture right now as they were. Probably right now more people believe they're being, like, attacked by zombies or something. Maybe but, they're bored with us. Yeah, they're probably just bored with us because, like, they showed up. They spent 4,000 yeah. years here. We didn't do anything for they're them. They're like, we got enough probes. We have all the information but we need. even people who are, you know, really seriously invested in, like, the UFO phenomenon and absolutely believe that aliens are coming to Earth believe that, like, most reports of UFO abductions, or at least many reports of UFO abductions, are bogus. So, like, I think that if you talk to, like, a, a real UFO person, they would say that there's, like, a, you know, there's a core of legitimate claims and then, like, a certain number of crazies around that. One of the things I saw... uh in a documentary about alien spacecrafts that I may have watched was people suggesting that they encouraged people to think that there were UFOs because what UFOs really were were top secret 
uh, Warcraft, basically, testing. They were testing supersonic planes and stuff like that, and yeah. then people would see them and they would say, oh, that was, you know, they would encourage them to think it was a UFO because they didn't want them to know anything about what it really was. I mean, I think there's some evidence that that's actually true because, like, the places in America most, like, fertile for UFO sightings tend to be, you know, the skies around experimental military bases. So, like, what most people think Area 51 actually is is, like, you know, research and development for the Air Force. So, yeah, you would see, like, crazy lights in the sky, and and they're not going to tell you not to believe that's an alien spaceship. I saw a thing where they suggested that there was, like, a guy who claimed he had seen a UFO and that they sent somebody to basically be like, yes, don't tell anybody, but what you saw was true. You really did see a UFO, and the guy was very paranoid already and then you know but that they want people to think that maybe there are ufos so that you don't know if it's actually some kind of invisibility technology jet or whatever they're actually using once you get like a little way into the conspiracy world of all of this stuff what's funny is the way that like everything becomes evidence for what you want it to be evidence for so you will definitely hear last last year i went to the uh the International UFO Congress in Arizona. And, you know, people are like bandying these theories around a lot, but then like counter theories get proposed. Like, but if there really were UFOs and they were terrified of what, you know, the, the public finding out, but they couldn't totally control the information that was getting out there, wouldn't they let you think that they were that they were letting you think that there were UFOs and that actually it was just military research? Um, so you can kind of take anything and turn it, you know, the absence of UFOs can be turned into negative evidence for the existence of UFOs because they're really good at hiding or, or whatever. <laughs> Is what the aliens look like very contentious? Yeah, there are like, there are schools of thought and like genres and subgenres of what the aliens look like. Like people agree widely on a few like major alien races. Like there are the greys and the Nordics and, uh, what are the Nordics about? Yeah, the, the greys are like the emoji alien. Yeah, right? the like greys are like, like the classic, like little. They're not little green men, but they're like little big-eyed gray men with alien like shaped heads, skateboard logo, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, like guitar pick shaped heads. Um, the Nordics are like I don't know my my grasp of like the the classifications is a little bit fuzzy, but the Nordics are like very tall, like they look like very tall white people, and I think they're like. They're somewhere above the greys on the alien races higher. The greys are like mostly seen as kind of like pawns. Like they're they, they may not have their own consciousnesses. I don't know how I feel about the Nordics being above the greys. I know. This all it's, seems I think the Nordics very... think they're above the greys. <laughs> it's clear. It's there's like, a lot of what else is new? Colonialism um, worked into the alien. There are a world. lot of ways to read the alien phenomenon. What about the people like I I'm into the people that think that the aliens are just gonna be like gas. Like a gas that is sentient and you can't I like all the the science fiction that's about like you won't even be able to comprehend them visually yeah they're like a wave because they're you're like, too you're not advanced enough yeah I like that when it's when you see it in the science fiction movie when it's like the, here's the alien uh, you know United Nations and here's a guy who's this he's in a tank because he's a gas <laughs> like I always enjoy those like you know it's 
like, really like it when Star Trek does that though, because then they always invent some way for the alien to just be like a regular, you know, just another like middle-aged white guy. Like, right, he's in like, disguise. Like Q is like incomprehensible to humanity, but he's actually just this kind of like you know Ponzi weirdo in a stage jumpsuit. actor. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. He takes the form of a you know Broadway legend. Exactly, <laughs> or whatever it is. I think it's weird that nothing, but that th- those humanoid representations of aliens, though that meme version of alien has dominated the conversation for so long that nobody's out there thinking like, yes, they're going to be like H.R. Giger xenomorphs when they come off of the ship or whatever. They're going. It's like it's, we're still dealing with the close encounters. It's 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 like child actors in in you know gray zip up suits. Yeah, well, that's I, because they're Soviet children. We learned from the <laughs> right, article. Oh, this right, is, yes, right, this is right. the thing I want to talk about. Like. The main, the sort of the, the most plausible theory, I guess, at this point, beyond like it's aliens. The the theory is that Stalin went to Joseph Mengele, the like sadist Nazi doctor of you know the kind of killer of Auschwitz, and convinced Mengele. Mengele at this point is on the run, like he's a Nazi in hiding, like they've lost World War II. He's on the run. Stalin says to Mengele that if he will engineer for him a crew of like mutant child pilots, Stalin will give him amnesty in the Soviet Union and a lab where he can keep doing his terrible experiments. Stalin's plan apparently was, I guess he'd like he'd read about Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, which, you know, was a radio play about an alien invasion in the 30s that caused like actual panic because people tuned in and thought it was real. So I think Stalin, according to this theory, thought that he would like destabilize the United States by crashing these alien looking children or landing these alien looking children somewhere in the country. People would think that they were Martians and just like freak out. I don't really know what the end game of that would be. Like, I don't know if Stalin thought this is going to like four 12 year olds with, you know, big eyes are going to bring down the yeah, United States Yeah, I have States so many questions for Stalin about yeah. this. Like, <laughs> but why like, children? Wouldn't they have a hard time flying planes? Like, personally, I think I would be much, much more upset if like four, like, deformed, surgically mutilated, like, children got out of an airplane than just four aliens. Like, the Stalin version, like, the real version seems, like, way more terrifying than what he thought we would think. But according to this theory, the plan went bad when the children flying the flying saucer, like, ran into a storm near Roswell and crashed their plane and died. And <laughs> But not until they got there. Right. They, they were fine yeah. flying from Russia. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know that this theory holds a lot well, of Well, it's interesting, though, because when, when, when I got to that part of your piece, I was thinking... You know, this sounds crazy, but then the reality of America did bring a bunch of Nazi scientists over to America to help do the moon landing and gave them, you know, safe passage or whatever to in protection in America. That is also crazy. And that is true. A lot of crazy stuff happened around that time, for sure. Yeah, I mean, do people sort of see the alien, the alien madness? You know, if Roswell's 1947, then it seems real, like, post-war kind of craziness and PTSD of this insane, you know, the world almost ended and then it didn't. So 
where do you go from there? Yeah, absolutely. Like this is one of the things I wrote about a little bit in the piece, like the the really early accounts of flying saucers when people are trying to explain what's going on, you know, that you've got these like weird sightings like you know blips flying past control towers moving like too fast like nothing can move that fast and we can't identify what it is you know a pilot goes chasing after a, an object he can't identify in the sky and then his plane blows up so people are trying to like put these like events together and what they mostly settled on like the early books about this phenomenon mostly settled on the idea that aliens were here because of the bomb like they they sensed the atomic bomb somehow and either came back after having been here before and having been away for a long time or came here for the first time just to like see what the hell we were doing with the atomic bomb yeah it's weird i find it the older i get this theory that the idea of that there's extraterrestrials who have visited earth there were actual beings who have walked on the planet that gets harder to believe but i will believe way crazier things that i just found out about <laughs> later it's like i feel like i've known about the the idea of aliens since i was five years old and so something would have happened by now whereas like i only recently just found out about the theory of the the bubble wrap universes where our universe is one node on like a vast sheet of right. bubble wrap and there's another universe next door to us and like somehow that makes much more sense to me and like the idea of like sort of physical i feel like if there was physical evidence of there was something that had happened on earth like and you know we would know somehow but we would have figured this out by now some mathematicians just released a, a pretty interesting study where they just tried to kind of game it out statistically and made you know some conservative estimates about the like probability of any given planet like developing an advanced civilization and just based on how long the universe has been in existence and how big the universe is and how many planets we know exist they said it was overwhelmingly likely that other like advanced civilizations had at least existed at some point in time like whether we coexist with them now whether we're, we've ever been in knowing or unknowing contact with them they didn't say but they said that you know the odds that there has just never been another you know conscious civilization besides ours were, were minuscule like crazy minuscule but i'm with alex that maybe the other conscious civilizations are in the other bubble nodes and yeah. that's why we haven't interacted with them but i also am like well what happens when you go in a black hole we don't know. Yeah, no idea. Where does it go? You go back to your library of memories and you like <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and you, and you cry. And you, so you're, you're there. And so, you know, is some that kind an of interstellar tesseract. joke or a contact joke? That is an interstellar joke. But also kind of contact is about that. Well, Jodie Foster's in con the one yeah. in contact who goes through the thing. Matthew McConaughey is just back on Earth wearing turtlenecks. Right. Kind of, you Do know. you think this is all just sort of metaphor, sp spiritual metaphor for agnostic people of like well, something is out there that's bigger than me. Yeah, I mean, I think you definitely have to separate the like the science question of like what people are seeing when they see these lights in the sky they can't identify and like what else is out there in the universe from like the cultural question of the way like aliens are functioning in culture and, and like the meanings we're giving them. And yeah, I think in the 20th century, they did like play a sort of mystical role a lot of the time. Like they're what they let you do is is take like the vocabulary of science and just like push it so far that it becomes like magical so you you don't actually have to like approach it with the same kind of like rigor or skepticism or whatever you would take to science but you can still kind of be talking in a sciencey way it's kind of comforting to think that there are aliens because the alternative that there's nothing but us and that we might blow up this planet at any moment and then there will just be nothing uh, is very scary. And I thought about that too when you were talking about just sort of reaching the edge of the desert of where you can go no further of just like, that was the thing that scared me the most as a kid 
when I saw Powers of Ten the first time, and they just keep going out and out and out, and you're like, oh, there is no end to this. Right. There's no like end of the universe. There's no sign point. So we just have no idea. It seems like even trying to use our puny human brains to try and think about this is kind of useless yeah we're blips on a blip and like the way you think about what's out there and and sort of what you want to believe ultimately probably just says more about you than it does about anything else and i think people are probably a little disappointed when when they find out mars doesn't have martians because what if it did i saw um i don't know if you saw aliens of the deep i feel like i've brought this up on the podcast before but just that uh, James Cameron is obsessed with the idea of going to Jupiter and drilling on one of the moons because he thinks one of the moons might have an underwater ocean that will have aliens in it. And he's really just banking everything on like, we got to build this robot and then that robot will have a robot inside it and one will fly and then one will get out and drill and then a third robot will come out of that robot and greet our alien overlords. I love the one-to-one relationship between the things that James Cameron actually believes are possible and what he's making movies about, that he's actually just, it's the weirdest way to go about it, you know, that like he's like, the abyss is real. This is something like, I want to build this, you know, drilling platform so that we can go down there and find the water aliens that are waiting underwater. Well, it's also just, it's so holy grail-y of like, oh, we got, you know, we're, I was explorers. We have to go find the things that haven't been found. But when we find them, they're probably going to destroy us all. Right. Because he also made one of the great movies about aliens killing, just indiscriminately killing all the humans they can find. Which which is is kind of the side I fall on of um, the will they be, will the aliens be friendly or not? Why would they be friendly? This is what I mean, though, about how this ultimately, you know, what you think about aliens ultimately just says something about you because you can, you you know, if you think that, like, people are garbage and you think that, like, the universe is hostile, then you want to kind of, like, turtle up and, like, not let the aliens know we're here. If you're, you know, an optimist and, you know, Gene Roddenberry kind of utopian, then you want to, like, get in touch with, like, all the other, like nice races who are going to join you in using reason to make a, a perfect galaxy and we don't know which it is we have no like nothing to stand on to to judge the question at all so it's just guessing what if you're a pessimist and a nihilist so you're like the aliens should come because we deserve it i think then you're making prometheus <laughs> Maybe that's where I fall on the spectrum. Yeah, I guess I'm an intergalactic isolationist. I've never really thought about it before, but I'm kind of with the people who are like, don't, you know, don't contact them. Don't let them, if they somehow don't know that we're here. I say we have to roll the dice. I like, I, you know, it could end, it could end very, very badly, but I want to know what's out there. I mean, why else are we here? I, I kind of agree with Brian. I think the person I really identified the most with in the movie Independence Day is, uh, Will Smith's wife's friend from the strip club. <laughs> yes. You know, there's like the group of people that go to the top of a building in Los Angeles to greet the aliens. Yeah, it's the bank. I forget the name. It's the tallest building downtown. It's yeah. the bank building. And I think they're also, that movie's also a little bit being like, people in Los Angeles are idiots. They just want to meet the aliens because the aliens are famous. <laughs> yes, no, exactly. Yeah, they all have signs. It's a basically yeah. like, there's like the, the, like the Harry Krishna from Airplane is basically there if he's yeah. not actually there, you know? It's like, <laughs> and then they all get zapped. 
Yeah, a few people yesterday sent me like the gif of that woman from Independence Day, like looking up with like a rapturous expression on her face, like waiting That'll to get blown me. up. Yeah, that absolutely will be Molly. Have you gotten anything crazy from the the UFO community since this went up? I mean, I, not yet. I mean, I've been like you know, I've been on high alert for it, but so far, so far, nothing that hasn't been mostly just nice. I didn't really say anything too nasty about the UFO community in the in the piece. I hope, like I I I think that they're telling the truth. I don't know if they're if they're right about what's happened to them but i think that for the most part people who've been abducted by aliens believe they've been abducted by aliens and have had the experiences they're saying they're they're having do you think some people it's other kinds of trauma that they have covered with the explanation that it, it was an alien abduction yeah i just don't know i mean it just it's it's really fascinating once you start looking at sort of psychological research around alien abduction because people who who've been you know in contact with aliens um, when the contact was involuntary, when they were like taken from their their beds or whatever, they mostly show symptoms of trauma when they talk about that subject. And then in every other area of their lives, they they don't seem abnormal in any way. So, like the the evidence kind of scans on their side of it, but there's also no like physical evidence that you know, in at least undeniable physical evidence that these things really happen. That's because the aliens are smart. They leave no trace. Totally. Sure. Right. Yeah. Apparently a lot of it is sleep paralysis. Like that's the going theory. That's right? a theory. That, like, There's a theory that it's people who have had like bad experiences in operating rooms that people have like, had, like basically anesthesia has failed a little bit and they've be like become kind of conscious, conscious while being operated on. And so they see like, you know, they're, they're on a table, they can't move, they're surrounded by like tall, bright beings. Um, and then these memories come back later and they interpret them as alien abduction. I think that that is probably reaching, like I think yeah, actual I think alien abduction um, is more believable. That's what I'm saying. That. I think Occam's razor here and uh, everybody who says they were abducted by aliens probably was. <laughs> I think that's Molly's razor more than anything else. <laughs> That's but, why I'll be on the rooftop with the sign. But fair enough. Because um, they were, we were, you know, the, they were right. And we'll all seem foolish when it turns out that all the alien abduction people were right. Hello, podcast listeners. Alex Papadimus from MTV News here to let you know that the individual MTV podcasts are now available through iTunes a la carte which is French for of the cart. Obviously, we'd love you to subscribe to all of them and leave five-star reviews about how they've changed your life and stuff. But if you're already subscribed to the MTV feed and you want to keep drinking from that fire hose, you should be all good. We appreciate your support in whatever form it takes, and we don't want to tell you how to do it. Brian, can you tell us about the presidential election angle on this th this story? There is a, there is something of a connection to our you know aside from you know whatever sort of national kind of you know uh, quantity theory of insanity as it's sort of rising like the, the people believe anything, but like there is an actual sort of someone has spoken out on this issue. Yeah, would you believe I'm not about to start talking about Donald Trump? Um, so Hillary Clinton's uh, pal, longtime pal, and high level operative uh, Leon Panetta is uh, deeply invested in the UFO community and is kind of a like a lobbyist for the movement to some degree. 
And because he has a lot of influence with Hillary Clinton, he, um, you know, he has kind of massaged her position on this topic over the years. So Hillary will sometimes come out and say that she wants to open the vault and just see what's in there. And, you know, she's not taking a stand on what, what's going on in Area 51, but she just thinks the public should know that sort of thing, which means that I, I think she's probably overwhelmingly the candidate of choice of the UFO movement. Um, it's worth like looking up the backstory on that relationship because it involves like a Rockefeller billionaire and really strange times. Um, it's probably too long to like flesh out here, and I don't remember all the details, but it's interesting. Yeah, nothing can be weirder than the actual atomic age, which had so many crazy things happening from inside the government. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Hillary's also the candidate, the only presidential candidate I know of who has been in the tabloids as the mother of an alien baby. <laughs> So, like, she's got a couple of different angles on this, I guess. Yeah, so it's in, maybe it's in her best interest to get all the, you know, declassify all of those phony documents about what happened at Area 51, supposedly. She just wants a good future for her son. <laughs> I thought you were going to take it to the Simpsons episode where Kang and Kodos come and run for president oh, against yeah. each other. Go ahead, waste your vote. <laughs> yeah, the, the second weirdest presidential election I've ever seen on TV after this real one. Yeah, less less weird. Yeah, slightly the, less terrifying. The reality. So, Brian, when the aliens come for you, where would you like to be? You can be anywhere in the world. Hmm, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll go back to the desert. Like that's that's the place I think of as the the alien landscape. I'll just right. be like be under the stars on the sand, like near a cactus. Let the lights come down on me. What about you, Alex? I'd like to be right here in this studio, <laughs> broadcasting right up to the last second. As We've they talked come for a, us. a little bit before about how this studio a little bit feels like a, a safe room, like a <laughs> atomic basement that you have for when the really bad thing happens. That we can hide out in this not very well soundproofed environment and continue to broadcast. Just because we have a black and white American flag on the wall and plywood on the windows. <laughs> I would say I'll just, you know, switch it up and say uh, Antarctica because the thing and um, because it seems maybe just the aliens like extreme climates. Yeah, maybe you'd be safer there. Maybe they would actually freeze for a while. Well, I got into some other crazy conspiracy for a minute reading about people who believe that there are uh, arc like Antarctic pyramids that are being hidden from us. Not glaciers, but there are people who have seen these landforms in Antarctica and they're like, look, it's a pyramid that the ancient aliens built. Lovecraft was right all along. He, you know, he had some ideas. He also had some really bad ideas. He had some terrible ideas. About race. Yeah. But um, there is that thing about the the bloop, the, the noise from underwater that nobody knows what it comes from. But I don't know if this is true or just the internet told me that, that it's like around the same place where Ryla, the uh, ancient lair of Cthulhu, is supposed to be in the ocean, just in the middle of the ocean. So I, I also believe the aliens could come. The aliens might already be here. They could come from our own planet. Yeah, I think it's the deep. That's what I'm saying. That's where we look. It's the deep. Yeah. That's where this podcast goes next. <laughs> Yes. No, we'll be back. Brian will be back to talk about the lost city of Ultima Thule at some point. Or will he?
This episode of North Mollywood was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at MTV Podcasts, and subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts on iTunes.